0: Monthly, we check in with State Senator Andy Minar, and we are pleased to welcome him back to the program. Senator, good afternoon. Thanks, as always, for being here.
1: You bet. Thanks for having
0: me, Jim. We've got several pieces of breaking news today that I want to ask you about. I want to start with, and I know this isn't your chamber, this is all going on in the House, but there continues to be a big back and forth over this committee looking at House Speaker Mike Madigan. He also happens to be the head of the Illinois Democratic Party. Uh, And today, the Democratic chair of that committee said it won't reconvene again until after the election because Republicans are politicizing it. The GOP is livid because they want to subpoena Mike Madigan, and that's being held up uh, senator from your perspective how how important is this to voters this seems to be a big deal every election cycle here in illinois making mike madigan the issue and yet your party keeps winning a whole bunch of elections here in illinois so does this really matter to voters
1: well you would think that uh given uh what has occurred especially in uh the last several election cycles um of which i participated in jim and a. uh Uh, What I would describe as a swing district in downstate Illinois, where the Republican Party, the state Republican Party, spent millions upon millions of dollars of uh, trying to convince people that I was someone that I am not, uh, evoking the name of Mike Madigan. You would think that the Republican Party in the state uh, would shed themselves of a very myopic vision of what they claim that they have to offer to Illinois and actually propose something that is meaningful to the lives of the people of the state. But they, they don't do that. They continue to go down this path. Now, now, granted, Jim, there's a lot of questions that have to be answered about Speaker Madigan's role. Um, that's ongoing, obviously, with the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office and now with the Special Investigating Committee. But back to your question, you would think that the Republican Party in Illinois would would find something different to talk about. That might make them a little more relevant to voters in the state, and it might even win them some more seats in the legislature.
0: Governor J.B. Pritzker is talking about something else today. He has, in the last hour or so, come out with uh, what he's calling a, a set of seven uh, main principles uh, to govern any sort of criminal justice reform. Looks like this is going to be a big push for the governor, perhaps as early as the fall veto session or in the uh, the spring session of the General Assembly. Some of the ideas being talked about here, one is talking about an end to cash bail, uh, and and this is something that I know has uh, uh, become a national issue as well. In talking about this, And a lot of people are wondering how would this work if we no longer require people to uh, to post bond uh, if they've been arrested on some potentially serious crimes. Uh, what what is going to happen in that situation, and why would we need to make this change?
1: I think that's uh, you raise important questions, and those are questions that both constituents and law enforcement. Uh, have posed to me since this ongoing and very important discussion is moving forward in the state on criminal justice reform. Uh, but here, here's, I'll tell you with cash bail specifically, Jim, here's what I think uh, should happen. We should, we should end the system that we have today. And we should have a system in place that, of course, keeps individuals that are a threat um, to uh, additional violence, perhaps, or a threat to public safety, um, we should keep a system in place for those individuals where it's clear that they should be detained. But to me, when you take all of these arguments out of the picture for a moment and you think about the system that we have today where wealth and access to wealth literally affords you a completely different set of rules when it comes to criminal justice as co- compared to someone who doesn't have access to wealth, that is just A fundamental problem in our criminal justice system. And it's a real thing today. And I've seen the impact of that in the counties that I represent. And I think it's time it changes. These are not easy conversations, but uh, I have not studied the governor's proposal. I've been out on the road all day Uh, But I welcome his suggestions. I welcome the suggestions of the Black Caucus, and I look forward to the discussion in front of the General Assembly.
0: Governor's also talking about licensing of police officers. With all the discussion we've had uh, about policing in this state and in this country, what would that do to address concerns about policing?
1: Well, I think, uh, first of all, um, I've talked to any number of police officers and police chiefs that welcome this proposal. Uh, to have a statewide licensing system. And eventually what would be great is if the federal government enacted some type of national licensing system. So, for example, if there was a police officer that um, uh, made an egregious mistake uh, that was proven to be an individual who should have no um, authority given to him or her as a law enforcement officer because they did something that is really wrong, and unfortunately that happened, vast majority, nearly every police officer that never happens, of course, but, but the few where it does, we need a system to make sure that that person doesn't go on to a different department or different state and be reentrusted with those same responsibilities as a police officer, those same responsibilities that were taken from them somewhere else. So that, to me, is why a licensing system is so important, and I think that's why I hear so much support for it from police officers and police chiefs around the state.
0: Senator Andy Menard is with us this afternoon. Senator, one other bit of breaking news. President Trump tweeting out in the last couple of hours that he has directed his team to stop all negotiations on new uh, covid uh, relief or a stimulus package and says he'll pass something After he wins re-election, the markets plunge today on this news. But it has some real-world implications for uh, a lot of people who are hoping maybe for another stimulus check, and extension of expanded unemployment benefits, and certainly for states that are still feeling a huge fiscal crunch from the pandemic and the recession that it caused. Uh, So what's your reaction to this, and what does it mean for Illinois fiscally going forward if we can't count on any additional federal help for potentially months.
1: Yeah, well, I'm not surprised, Jim, especially uh, that this is the event of the day from uh, Donald Trump. Um, Donald Trump doesn't, uh, doesn't care about the well-being of the people of the United States. I am convinced of that today. Um, the idea that he would uh, unilaterally say that he's not going to participate in a discussion for much needed help for individuals and working families and small businesses that are struggling through this pandemic economically, um, is just beyond the pale. But we're used to beyond the pale with Donald Trump. uh, So it doesn't surprise me uh, what whatsoever. What does it mean for the state? Let's first talk about what it means for municipal governments, because I think that is where the effect of President Trump's inaction and inability to even negotiate something that is good for the American people will first be felt. And that's with public safety, law enforcement, firefighters, Uh, the things that are paid for through um, general fund or corporate receipts, for example, to the city of Springfield. And when we see a dive in those revenues because of uh, the economic impact of COVID, the people that need the help, the entities that need the help first and foremost are our city governments. Um, The state, obviously, we need help too, but city governments first. That's where I am the most concerned today.
0: Senator, you uh, took part in a a discussion uh, a few days back uh, here in Springfield with uh, Senator Steve McClure about the uh, constitutional amendment that would allow Illinois to adopt a progressive income tax. There continues to be huge amounts of advertising on this, even a lawsuit being filed this week to challenge some of the presumptions being made about this amendment. And a lot of this is focusing on the issue of retirement income as to whether this amendment would open the door for the state to tax retirement income, or at least to tax some retirement income, something that is not currently provided for in Illinois law. From your perspective, what's the real story? What do voters need to know about that issue in particular?
1: The, uh, the exemption of uh, taxation for retirement income today has, has nothing to do with the fair tax and the proposal it uh, represents. We have an exemption in our tax code that says no retirement income uh, or pension for example should be subject to income tax taxation that has nothing to do with whether or not income tax rates should be based on the amount of money someone earns should people that earn less pay a smaller rate than people who earn more should people who earn more pay a higher rate like billionaires and millionaires than nurses and teachers those two things are separate but Jim it is a clever it is a clever tactic uh, on the part of the wealthiest people in the state, some of the wealthiest people in the country who are shelling out millions, tens of millions of dollars of their own money to convince you and me and 99% of the people listening to your show to protect the wealth of the wealthiest rather than the wealth of the working people of the state of Illinois. It's a clever tactic. And, you know, the Illinois Policy Institute's uh, so-called um, lawsuit that was filed yesterday, I believe, that's all showbiz, Jim. This is all showbiz to try to convince us to protect the wealth of the wealthiest people in Illinois at the expense of our schools, at the expense of our health care, at the expense of the things that we expect of state government.
0: Senator, the one thing I hear more than any other about this amendment is why don't they cut spending? Why are they looking to raise taxes on anybody? Your response?
1: Well, I, I think it's a good public policy debate to have to say that a billionaire, Ken Griffin, for example, who just wrote a you know, $26 million check to the effort to stop the fair tax. Think about that for a moment. Just let that process for a moment. Why is a man like Ken Griffin writing a check for $26 million to stop the fair tax? I'll have the public policy debate. Should, should Ken Griffin pay the same tax rate as a teacher in District 186, a first-year teacher? Should that be the public policy of the state of Illinois? The answer is no. It shouldn't be. Ken Griffin should pay a little bit more to help stabilize our government, to fund our schools, to fund our hospitals, to make sure people have health care. I'll take that debate any day of the week. Um, As far as cuts go, Jim, we've cut we've cut billions out of the state budget, and it's had an effect. Uh, And we had an experiment called Bruce Rauner. It was a disaster. The Bruce Rauner experiment was a disaster. He stood up and said, I can cut Illinois' way to prosperity, and he was just dead wrong year after year after year, and we all paid for it. We don't want to repeat that. It's time for the wealthiest 3% of Illinoisans to chip in a little bit more to help stabilize our budget.
0: Senator, a couple of last questions. You've been able to make some announcements recently about some uh, big uh, uh, projects, public works type projects, uh, Hillsborough and elsewhere. We've had a couple that have been pending here for a while. Are we anywhere closer to a, a downtown UIS uh, SIU presence here in Springfield? Has anything progressed on that at all?
1: Well, I tell you, uh, Mayor Langfelder uh, recently sent a letter to both uh, the University of Illinois and Southern Illinois University, and I commend the mayor for doing that. Uh, he stepped forward and said uh, he would like to see uh, discussions for that potential project, which I think, of course, would be a game changer for downtown Springfield. Uh, that he would like to see those uh, project, excuse me, those discussions move forward. So, so I appreciate the mayor doing that. Uh, here's the bottom line, Jim. That's going to be paid for through a state capital bill. Um, If we have the programming together centered around Innovate Springfield, which is the true gem in this whole equation, um, when gaming revenues pick back up and revenues going into the capital bill pick back up, I think we're going to be in a good position uh, to be able to say, you know what, This this is a worthwhile project for the state of Illinois that will help grow the economy of Springfield and the entire region and that's why the state should fund the campus.
0: Along the same lines, uh, there was talk about renovating the uh, historic armory building downtown. Is there anything more happening there?
1: Yeah, you know, Jim, I I could come up with a real long list of things I want to do, and this is on it. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm not shy, of course, about asking for um, investment from the state for the 48th district. Um, I think that could be in the mix, and the state has any number of needs. Of course, there's a cost associated with it, but you know the armory is a, is is uh, historic in the sense uh, that it is a big part of our state's history, and uh, to me, that's worth preserving. How that equates into a project, I think, is still an open question, but uh, that's something definitely on my to-do list.
0: We'll continue to ask about it periodically, along with other big issues. State Senator Andy i always appreciate your time. Thanks. You bet. Thanks, Jim.